Let's talk about this trash. Alrighty. <laughs> well, I'm getting well, off this call now. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm gonna pour myself some whiskey, boys, because I I have a feeling that while we all love Star Wars, I think this is going to be the most heated heated debate since last week's gun control debate. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might get more intense. I think I could beat it. <laughs> In my experience, conversations are best had with a glass of whiskey. Join me, Alan Kogan, as I engage in meaningful discussions while enjoying a glass of my favorite spirit. Welcome to the Kogan Conversation. I, I, I joke. I mean, I obviously, I, I, I do drink whiskey to, to suffer through these conversations with, with Grant. But at the same time, I think I, I, after watching the first four episodes of Obi-Wan and then reading reviews online, I was telling Grant before we hopped on the podcast, it's like, what well, maybe I live in a different world because I don't viscerally hate it and think it's ruining everything. I have my problems with it. And I, I'm, I'm waiting for that judgment, that final judgment until the end of the series, right? Because I think it's fair to give every episode and it, it, a holistic view of what doing with you and McGregor and Obi-Wan. However, there are people online who are like loving the shit out of it as it's the it's the best Star Wars series ever. I, I just I feel like I'm watching a different series. So to, to begin with, give me your really brief two minute overview of your opinion, both of you on the first four episodes, what you thought about it, what you liked, what you didn't like. And we can go into like probably I would probably like to go in order of the episodes of how things went or went, didn't go well for us. So Dan, go ahead and give me your just knee-jerk reaction after seeing it. I love it. Obi-Wan's always been one of my favorite Jedi. He's just an absolute badass. And to see more of his character in a spot that we've never really seen him, we never get to see his initial reaction or we never get to see how he feels afterwards. We see the fight at the end of episode three with Anakin where he thinks he kills Anakin. And then the next time we see him, besides like rebels and stuff, but we don't get too much of him then, is episode four, 19 years later. And he's obviously not over it, but he's hiding any of his emotions and stuff to properly train Luke. We're getting to see how he actually felt about that. And him being such a major character in episodes one, two, and three, and obviously in later on there's something going on there it makes sense that he's having all these emotional things so episode one we see a lot of that him just downtrodden episode two him starting to do his thing he's convinced that okay there is something else i have to do episode three encounters vader finds out about anakin all that and then episode four is the weakest i'll episode four is fine <laughs> quick run through and that's just the stuff on obi-wan which i think is it's the title of the show i think that's the most important aspect i have my opinions and i everything else but i'll uh we'll start with that i think is good all right now i, I know this is going to be a very uh, opposite reaction so grant go ahead i also loved it <laughs> <laughs> shut up <laughs> i am not a fan at all i'm giving it a fair shot i went in with very very low expectations as many of you know i've long since abandoned my blind love for star wars things but i was like you know what i love ewan mcgregor in this role you and i alan we've always talked about like this is the thing we'd want to see this is the story we want to see told like obi-wan being a sad motherfucker on tatooine between episodes three and four there's such a ripe character story you can tell there with him like being a hermit and just like having to protect this boy that his father who he failed as 
like his master and it's like all this great stuff you can tell with it and i've yet to see any of those aspects done even like the slightest bit well in this show even the points where it's literally just focused on him being haunted by darth vader that just results in him having like a really lame and very like obvious like nightmare sequences in episode like one or two stuff like that and then his literal confrontation with vader like he finds out oh vader is is anakin anakin's still alive i didn't know that it's like okay yeah got it and then he turns into an idiot in episode three and just like wanders out into the desert to let vader burn him and then he's just fine in the next episode like literally like that nothing happened the writing is very weak across the board Obi-Wan, yeah, I just, I think his his character is literally, he says 50% of his dialogue is just saying Leia's name and just being generally annoyed, I guess. I guess he did that with Anakin too, so that checks out. It's just continuing all the bad things of the prequels, I guess, and not having any of the good parts. And the, the I, we'll get into the characters and why I dislike them and the writing, but if we're just focusing on Obi-Wan and his character, he's a big dumb idiot. And he shouldn't be going off on wild, stupid adventures with little Princess Leia. I hate it. (laughs) So, Dan, I'm sure you're (laughs) foaming at the mouth wanting to respond to everything that Grant just said. I'm, I'm going to echo what Grant said in the beginning. Ever since Disney purchased Star Wars from George Lucas, the only prospect that I was really excited about was getting to see Ewan McGregor back in the role of Obi-Wan and back telling the story that is being told or attempted to be told, right? We, the, the, this, the time between three and four where, where young Obi-Wan Kenobi goes through PTSD from after having essentially created Vader in, in his mind. He has this guilt, right? And that he failed. And he turns into the stoic zen jedi master ben kenobi watching over luke that we see in episode four and obviously there's a lot of like behind the scenes of the reasoning why the fight between obi-wan and 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 kenobi on the death star was so stunted and felt very fake well it was the 1977 and their their special effects were bad but that's okay we we understand that but but there's reasons behind that we can we can like like make an interesting story behind the lore it's because they were both timid and hesitant and they weren't really sure where each other stood okay cool that's if we're gonna if we're gonna tell that story then that's build up to Ben Kenobi. That's what I wanted. Then, of course, Disney went and did everything else that I didn't like, which I won't get into. But all of their failures, in my opinion, and their failure to actually tell Star Wars in the way that Star Wars was meant to be told, to, to hold Star Wars in, and that's that that the Star Wars spirit, that made me increasingly worried about what Kenobi was going to be because it became this game of what can we put on screen to make people enjoy what's on screen rather than telling a good story. It's like they're putting the cart before the horse. Yeah, it's awesome to see in episode three of Kenobi, Vader swinging around a lightsaber and being Darth Vader, doing Darth Vader things. Like It's awesome to see him kill random civilians because he's just that evil. I get that. But it defeats the purpose of like Vader's character when you do that instead of having good story that tells that on its own. Just to put him on screen to, to, to you know flash a lightsaber around and, do, and use the force. I mean, I guess that's what video games and comic books are for. And but now, but now we've entered this age now where everything is canon, and and there's this this. It used to be back in the day, you had the original trilogy and the prequels, and then all the expanded universe was never like actually set in stone canon. It was just a bunch of fun stories being told. It was never like there was a bunch of stuff that didn't make that contradicted each other and and didn't make sense, and that's why Disney kind of poo pooed it all away, and then have have their own. Okay, well everything is going to coalesce into one main canon. Every story that's written is going to be licensed by Disney. It's like that that frustrates me that we can't have these fun fan fictions anymore where we, where we do see Vader cut loose because 
what made Vader so great in the original trilogy in episode four, why he was so scary and menacing and, and full of anger and emotion is because the story was told well. The writing was, it was interesting. And now we have this where it feels to me, and maybe I'm just a huge Disney cynic, that it's just Disney making money. And instead of trying to actually have a, the best story. And I don't, I don't know what happened. Mandalorian is the only one to me that, the, at least season one, where that's not the case. But then season two fell victim to, okay, we have to introduce, you know, Luke and Grogu and 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 they have force powers and Ahsoka and all. It's like, I love seeing them. I love their characters, of course. I love Star Wars. But at what point am I just watching Star Wars for Star Wars sake? And that then that makes it feel less special to me. So that's when I, when I go into watching Obi-Wan, I went in with low expectations, but I also went in with some kind of sense of like what it should be. And what it should have been was a character study of this old man on, or become old man on Tatooine watching over Luke bickering with Owen maybe they could do a, a, a they could have done a more a build up to Owen hating him because at the end of episode three, Owen and Obi-Wan seem to be fine, passed off the baby, everything's fine. So what happened between that and those 10 years where Owen hates his guts? And obviously, OK, I guess Owen knows who Anakin became. There's, there's a lot of just things that don't make sense as to why. Why do we choose this story? Why are we choosing the story to, sh to show Leia? getting kidnapped things don't add up for the canon it makes it it makes it hard to believe certain things i just read an article today that was theorizing oh maybe at the end of the series that obi-wan mind wipes leia because then it would make more sense because when she calls for his help help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope then it makes more sense because otherwise she would have been like hey remember that that thing that you saved me from eight years ago can you we're, we're buddies still right ben can you help me out rather than referencing the clone wars with bail organa it made no sense it's like it feels like we're fan servicing in leia organa because we can because she's a cute 10 year old but fuck luke right it's more interesting to me to tell the story of between ben and luke because we know luke knows ben when luke says uh obi-wan kenobi i wonder if he's a relative of old ben like okay well that that implies that they have a relationship and that that old wizard that owen lars is always afraid of has been trying to connect with luke over the last how many years and it's always been like oh that crazy hermit don't don't go by him but luke still does because he's you know on his way to get power converters from tashi station i don't know <laughs> but that's my that's my preconceived issue so i'm gonna go ahead and open up i know dan you probably want to respond to a lot of stuff but i i think we should start maybe maybe try to start with episode one and and kind of work our way to and build up to where it it, it left us off the fourth episode a, a couple of things that stood out to me is your opinion on vader how they're using him see we're seeing a obi-wan in the middle of this almost 20 year period we're also seeing a darth vader in the middle of this 20 year period he's not the same vader as in episode four he's younger he's angry he's full of rage and we're seeing that again that rage is you see him he's just fucking snapping people's necks that emotion that's overwhelming obi-wan he's got a ton of stuff coming out and he's feeling through the force and i think we see that i i i feel like i saw that as it was happening he was being overwhelmed by this sudden presence of not only his old padawan emitting this rage i think they're using vader fantastically i think we're seeing this angry younger angry vader who just wants to kill the rest of these jedi the leia thing i don't see this being an issue he's connecting with her but he clearly doesn't want to be there except that he needs to be why does that mean why does she have to reference that when she contacts him she has a few minutes to try and convince him later on in episode four she has a few minutes to make this recording to convince him to try and come and help so she references we need you for this you helped my father then you helped my father during the clone wars because that's what obi-wan's doing he's helping her father bail to rescue her i don't see that being 
being an issue. It's... There's just like layers of bad here. Like, because <laughs> yeah, she did say she was like, "You served my father in the Cloud Wars," and it's like, it's like, yeah, why didn't you? She referenced this like big dumb adventure they went on together across like multiple planets. I just thought of something. Like literally, as we're having the conversation, it just occurred to me because I just rewatched episode two because that was the one I remembered the least of. And during that episode, I, at some point, he makes a point of telling someone that don't remember me, forget that you saw me, I have another job to do, and if you remember this, it could be problematic for that job. In case that message got intercepted, she can't imply that she knew Obi-Wan from another point, because if it doesn't get to him, she can't put Obi-Wan at risk, if that makes sense. Like, she she needs to forget that mission happened. Even if she isn't, like, forced to do it, she's a smart kid. If she knows that she shouldn't have been with Obi-Wan then, she has to have that reasonable reasonable doubt. But she's purposely ignoring that event, this series. This is such a minor thing, though, in terms of why I dislike this show. It's like the it's like the continuity thing is not what bothers me. Leia being there isn't isn't a deal breaker for me, honestly. I think that she's a terrible little kid actress. I was I was shocked to find that they could find someone who's worse at acting than Jake Lloyd, but they did. And you know it's worse. She's not even the worst acted character on the show. But I will get to that. But like the idea of him going off on this adventure with Leia, like I, it's fine if it was like more interesting of like a plot like it's the whole setup is like this character Reva and this is the character that like really bothers me in this show but her whole plan is like we'll kidnap Bail Organa's daughter because there's some vague connection between Obi-Wan and Bail Organa it's kind of a long shot plan but like you know she's evil and desperate to win Vader's affection sure whatever fine we're, we're kidnap Leia but then what you said was right Dan he it's like he doesn't want to be there at all it's like she, he's gonna take care of this kid because he's charged to do it it's bail organa's daughter he's loyal to him but then like between the span of like an episode when he gets his face fucking burned like literally the end of episode three he's like yeah some random lady who works for the empire take this girl i'm charged with because i have to go face my my old apprentice because i'm a big dumbhead. and then literally the next episode the line he says at the beginning is like there's someone i care for very much trapped and i must save her and it's like since when do you give a shit about her you just left her with the charge of some random lady you just met what you literally turned from being a big idiot into being like i don't know a cuck for little leia like it's so <laughs> stupid we interpreted it's very differently <laughs> he's always cared about leia he just didn't think it was his job to go and do this and because bale was asking him because he thought his job was to protect luke and bale convinced him that leia is just as important so why did he leave her in with in the charge of some random lady who actually works for the empire because darth vader was there <laughs> a much worse threat. okay so darth vader shows up and he turns into a in, into an idiot like he's just like yeah I'll, I'll leave this little girl in the charge of a stranger so he could distract vader i'll just get i'll just get on board of this this dude frick's vehicle even though there's like a straight up giant imperial logo on it what was the other option not do that he's <laughs> like he should where? be smart he was literally like he got down on his knees ready to be killed by that lady because he was like well i guess i fucked up where was the Obi-Wan who was just like who who was like cunning and smart and like could get out of situations like that easy not have like deus ex machinas constantly save him in every episode he's a broken man so okay so <laughs> to mitigate the risk of talking over each other I think there's one thing that I'll, I'll give I'll, I'll, I'll say in defense of what Obi-Wan did with Leia not that I, I again I, I'm not a fan of the plot 
but he did he did learn about the path and the the secret organization underground and he saw inscriptions from other jedi including master quinlan voss who i'm assuming might show up at some point so he saw young quinlan was here and he saw the jedi logo so and then she changed out of imperial clothes and each that was just her cover so i think i think that was enough to build trust in in obi-wan i'm gonna assume that obi-wan's a pretty good judge of character i'm willing to waive that except for frick i guess he didn't trust him yeah i think i think that is because he didn't trust him and he also was hesitant but he i think it became because he was so uh, pissed off that the person the contact didn't show up at the time they were supposed to like they had no other option grant i agree the writing is the, the way that it goes about is choppy and bad I think it could it could be done in a more efficient, more more showcasing Obi Wan's cunningness. Because even if he's a broken, hollow shell of a man because of his PTSD of what he's gone through with Anakin and everything that happened prior to this, that doesn't mean that he just becomes dumb. I think I think the decision making for him, the process isn't being shown well. We're not seeing the gears turn correctly. And like there was just an article I read that that in this last episode when they're in the prison break, where it's like, why didn't Obi Wan wear a stormtrooper outfit from the first guy that he choked out? He just threw him down the in the water well and then walked through the halls looking like a Jedi. And it's like, okay, because they want to have some awesome action scenes. I get that. But in reality, if you're going to storm into this place and wouldn't you, maybe that'd be a cool callback to what or foreshadow, I guess it would be to what Luke and Han do. puts on a worse disguise later, like a big trench coat. (laughs) A sponder. I hope you, I hope you agree with that because that was a shitty, that was stupid. I, that was a straight up terrible Scooby-Doo Nobody noticed. I, I think what they were going for was it's so hectic they can get away with this kind of thing, but it doesn't play out that well. I will give you that. I do, I do want to say one more thing on Leia in terms of like, I don't mind her character being there. And I, I said before, I don't mind the weird continuity things. There's just it's just like her characterization is one thing that bothers me a little bit because it's like, I, I guess it's like, OK, we're finding out that little Leia was like a tomboy, I guess, to make her more like Ray, but like. I, I see her in New Hope and I'm like, I don't like she's spunky. Yes, but she's not like, oh, I know what all this. I know what all the freighters are and what their name classifications are. It's like, what? I like to climb trees. It's like I never got that from Leia. I got her like she was literally just like a prim and proper pr- princess who was thrust into the situation having to lead the rebellion. Like that's always kind of how like her character came across to me. And now it's like, no, she was like basically always going to be this like little tomboy rebel bad bitch. Like <laughs> I would tend to agree with one of the things that was powerful about Leia in episode four. And I have to be careful how we phrase this episode four. I mean, a new hope. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that. One of the things that's powerful about Leia in a new hope is that like what Grant said is she was this primp and pop proper princess who was wearing a literal like princess gown with princess buns and makeup. And she's thrust into the situation and she's adapted she's strong and she learns over the course of those three movies and I guess in between six and seven you know because she is the daughter of Anakin that she has these abilities that make her strong and, and have the you know the will of the force I think that's more interesting I think I think her in episode four being that rather than having to build this origin story of Leia that I don't think we needed I will say one of the cool scenes in episode in this this ep- ser- uh, series episode four when she's getting force uh, interrogated by uh, Reva okay she has no idea that she's force sensitive she doesn't know what that is and she's able to resist a trained jedi and i think that like that moment just that specific moment in that episode i think that was awesome because it's like that's true but i don't need to see it i i I don't think it informs leia's character any better i think it if anything it takes away that oh she's a strong tomboy and she always was so it's no 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 wonder why she was so strong in the rebellion like no it's 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 more interesting of a character for her to have to adapt and have to become that and rise to the occasion that's what made it that's what makes her inspirational 
The same with Luke. Luke was Luke has to rise to the occasion. His aunt and uncle are dead, and now he's not a farm boy anymore. He's he just found out that a lightsaber is a thing, and he's twenty. Like that. That's interesting to me. I have to disagree with you guys again. I I get what you're saying, and I disagree with it. <laughs> when did we ever see like we see in Episode Four? She is immediately standoffish with Vader. I never saw her as like a prim and proper princess. She was in the first time we see her, she's a leader of the rebellion. It's not like she just suddenly became the leader during A New Hope. She was a leader before that. And I think this is showing that she's got a lot of Anakin in her. She's got a lot of Padme in her. And I think that's something I'm really enjoying in this as well is they're showing more of Leia being like not only Anakin, but also like Padme, like her mother, because her mother was like that too. Attack of the clones. Anakin is just like, we can't go do these things. I'm not going to go do these things. I just have to keep you safe. And she's like, no, we're going to go do this. Phantom Menace. She literally does like a body swap thing and spends the entire thing hidden away. She's just like her mother and she's just like her father. And I think they're doing a really good job of showing that in Kenobi. So it's all all nature, no nurture. Every month, Grant and I will tackle an important topic while enjoying a glass of whiskey. If you don't agree with our opinions on these issues, that's great. We want to hear from you and hear your side of the story. Our goal is to understand different perspectives and engage in conversations that matter without regressing to the same division that exists in our hyperpartisan politics. We can and must do better in finding common ground. Discussions breed solutions. The Kogan Conversation is a podcast that welcomes respectful discourse, paired with a glass of whiskey, of course. If you'd like to offer your take on an upcoming episode or join us for a glass of whiskey, please reach out to us on social media or head over to our website and send us a message. Wouldn't it be nice to know what topics are coming up and when an episode is releasing from the Kogan Conversation? Subscribing to our podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, following us on Spotify, and of course, following us on social media helps immensely. You can also head over to our website and sign up for our email list so you never miss out on any episodes or information. Cheers. Well, but I, I accept I accept that explanation better, and and I wish if that's if that's what their goal is, and maybe it is. I wish it was done, it was portrayed better. Because if you're gonna show Leia, if you're gonna have a Leia origin story of how of how she was raised and how she is as a kid, I think my my biggest problem is they're trying to fit so much into six episodes. Yeah, you have to. I think you have to pick a story. If you're gonna pick a story that tells Leia's childhood, okay, that sounds like you could do six episodes of that. Not that I want that, but it sounds you could probably do that. Same with Luke. Same with like, okay, now Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan alone. Like there should be maybe one episode where he, Leia and Luke are in the scene or something. I don't know. But I think there's larger issues that I have too. And I think one of the biggest logical issues that I've had is that the Empire is even remotely on Tatooine. Because when, when in the beginning, it was the first episode, I think, Reva shows up with the other Inquisitors and they're hunting a Jedi, not Obi-Wan, but a Jedi. Reva comes in hot and cuts off an old lady's hand, threatens Owen, and Obi-Wan's kind of hiding in, in the distance and being quiet. We learn from that scene prior that Owen does not like Obi-Wan and tells him to go fuck off pretty much. Then they have like an entire garrison with them. They have troopers, etc. And that, that one lady that got her hand cut off, she said, oh, well, you don't have any jurisdiction here. And she's like, okay, well, yeah. But that was the entire point of sending them to Luke to Luke to Tatooine was because the, the, the Empire never gets to Tatooine 
prior in Star Wars canon until the droids land near Mos Eisley and then the Empire is forced to hunt them down. So then that now it begs a question, okay, if the Empire is actively pursuing people on Tatooine and there's a Jedi hiding on Tatooine, well, that stands to reason that there's other people potentially hiding there too. So why would you not have, why would you not keep a garrison of troops there just to have an outpost? And then it makes, it makes Obi-Wan and Yoda look dumb for sending Luke there with his family, which I, I guess in general sounds kind of weird because they were never really his family. They were just, they didn't know each other. I don't know. It's, it, it seems, it seems weird to retcon the fact that the Empire is now hanging out and actually fighting on Tatooine. Like that, that makes that decision dumb. Also, there's literally the point for Obi-Wan being there was in case the Empire showed up, he could protect him, right? Like watch over him and have him grow and, you know, like be a protector like Jedi are. And now you've established that the Empire are there giving Obi-Wan even more reason not to leave. And he's still just like, yeah, fuck it. We'll go on this adventure. It, it, that feels nitpicky. There's no re it's 20 years. You're telling me that the Empire never stopped at Tatooine before that ever. They just ignored it. They're like, hey, there's a sand planet. Yeah, whatever. We don't care. They explain it as the, uh, being on the outer rim outside of the out Empire's grasp. They, 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 like it's a, a bunch of moisture farmers. And it's always been told in the lore that it's like not. they didn't care. They never give a shit. Yeah. Why would they care about Tatooine? They have no reason to go there in this particular particular situation they had a reason to go there there's no resources for them there if they need someone who's there then they'll send someone over there but no like it's 20 years it's a big galaxy they can't have an outpost on every single planet it's a full planet the inquisitors had a perfectly reasonable reason for being there they were hunting a jedi which is their job the only reason to go there later is because there were droids there now the empire is on there when we go back in episode or in a uh, uh return of the jedi we don't see the empire there because the empire has no reason to be there in that point the empire goes where they need to they're not going to let oh it's far away that's not going to stop them from going there if they need to there's no tactical reason for them to have a presence on tatooine can we talk about vader i would love to so i hear your points on him being a, a younger more angry vader like that, that can explain away some of the inconsistencies with his character. Like in in some instances, like he's gonna go down to a planet when he has reason to. Like he's gonna go down to get Obi Wan because he's had this as a vendetta. Before that, he's like, I'm gonna send out all my little Reva minions to the planets to do my bidding. Yeah, so he's gonna show up on a, on the rebel ship at the beginning of New Hope because they have the fucking Death Star plans there, right? Like, and he's got the you know the princess leader of the rebellion there here's my thing he he's so hell-bent on like murdering people with his anger until he isn't specifically episode three and four when he does a lot of stuff three he goes onto the planet specifically to get and confront obi-wan and he uses his force powers and his lightsaber and he starts a big fire and he's burning obi-wan because he wants obi-wan to feel the pain that he did and then pushes him out of it and then he can seemingly grab Obi-Wan easily with the force again through the fire, but then doesn't. He just stops with seemingly no opposition because he, he's just sitting there and then Lady is able to run up and like help him with medical attention. Am I remembering that correctly? He has full control over the situation and then he just doesn't. And it's like, where did all that anger suddenly go? He's like, I'm just going to toy with him or... His whole reason for going down there was fucking with Obi-Wan and he just stops. So you're you're kind of right. The, he shoot, she shot the stormtrooper and then shot the, the barrel that exploded the, and reignited the fire that he had put out. I think I think you're I generally agree, but I I, 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 I also can see and I accept the, the toying with and he like he was probably disappointed that Obi-Wan was such a piece of shit. 
fighter. Like, what the fuck is this? I want, I want Obi Wan. I want, I want that satisfying death because Anakin's dramatic for some reason. Which I don't know how I like that either. I mean, Anakin is dramatic, but it's being played in a more theatric way than I thought it would be. He could have, when he said, "Bring him to me," and the stormtroopers then walk out. And then she shot the stormtrooper and the stormtroopers go, oh, shit. Like, why wouldn't you just force pulled him across the ground? Like, why wouldn't you just like bring him over to you yourself and restrain him that way? I think some of these things like Sponder's going to say is, is they're nitpicky because there, there is there is some suspension of belief and just allow the movie to do the movie or allow the plot to do the plot. Fine. But I also want to know why. Like, in reality, what would Darth Vader do to Obi-Wan in that moment? Would he really just let him go? It seems kind of weird. And it plays into my other inconsistency in the very next episode with him and his relationship with Reva, where he's like, he has these big expectations of her, and she's like, and she's trying to, you know, live up to his expectations of him, right? And like, do these biddings for him for inexplicable motivations so far we'll probably find out more probably because she's actually the main character of the show i guess she she basically literally fails like a third time at the end of episode four and he comes in rightfully and is like choking her ass and should just fucking kill her at that point right with his big angry young vader energy and she's like i have this unexplained tracking device on the ship and he's like are you sure about that and then it's just like good job it's like wait what's where's her proof why can't he just be like handed over and then kill her anyway? That's the Vader I know. And if him young being younger and angrier just means him being stupider, then then I buy it, I guess. Yeah. I wanted him to slash down a stormtrooper. Like maybe not Reva because Reva's one of the main characters, but just like in anger when he came through that doorway. It's like, you were told, yada, and then just like take out his lightsaber and hack down a, a stormtrooper to his left. She's literally disappointed him like a hundred times up to that point, though. Like every turn she's failed in his eyes. Like what? what is his actual rationale at that point for giving her another chance other than like, I put a tracking device on there. It's like, great. I think that's going to be something that's going to be seen more in the last couple episodes. I have, I, I think it's just because story-wise, she's got to stay alive for now. I, I think he'll still kill her. I, I think that is the end of Reva. I think she's still going to die, but he wants her alive for now to because she has the information. She clearly has a plan. I think Vader understands that he's not thrilled about it, but he's going to let it play out and then step in when he absolutely needs. To. I want to back up a little bit, because when does when does Fallen Order take place? A couple years after episode three. That's earlier in the timeline. Because Vader cuts down that Inquisitor without even thinking. I guess you could make the argument that it seemed like she was starting to turn back to Trilla. Like, it wasn't even a thought process. It was just, boom, dead, a cut in half. So what Grant's saying, I, I think I wanted that rage. And I know, like we said, Reva's a main character, and we're going to we're gonna find out more about her. Why? But then go kill the other one. Go kill the Asian one. I don't know. Like, I, I... <laughs> okay, you can't do that because he's in Rebels, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, but it's okay. Okay, and that will lead into my next problem that we still have, have to have a resolution on. What's up with the Grand Inquisitor? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> Grant, you you haven't, admittedly, you haven't watched Rebels. You've seen some. I'm coming at this from the perspective that this is the actual first and only Disney Star Wars show I have watched. And I haven't seen any of the other series. I saw the first episode of Mandalorian, and that's it. And the first episode of, actually, you know, the first 20 minutes of Boba Fett, and that's it. And then I quit. See, Grant's further down the hate Disney train than I am. I, I, I hate Disney, but reluctantly watch their content because I... I mean, there is that part of my brain where it's like, I want to see lightsabers on the screen. <laughs> and that, you know, that's okay. But I, I don't know, Grant's, what, what's another big uh, a glaring thing that we could, we could, like, it's not nitpicky. I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, we're just like, oh, we don't like the color of the tables. Dan, what do you think of, what do you think of Reva as a character? Just so far, what you know about her. 
What do you think about her? She is not the best villain. I'll give you that. She's she's there as a I think honestly she's there because you can't just throw Vader in there. You can't overdo it with Vader. They need to have someone in that middle spot. She's a character I think might pick up once we see the rest of her story. There's a lot of mystery behind her that we don't know where she came from. Where I'm pretty sure she's one of the Padawans from the beginning of episode one. But why is she? What are we don't know her motivations yet besides she wants more power, but it can't be just that. That's been done a million times. We There's got to be something else there. Why is she so hell-bent on getting Kenobi? There's got to be a reason there. I don't think we've seen enough of her to know why. It could be one of those things that we'll see the end of the series and then going back to the beginning. Maybe things will make more sense. As of right now, she hasn't done much. She's a she's intimidating to people because of her position in the Empire, and that's it. She's not a particularly scary character. She's not particularly powerful she's just an inquisitor and that's intimidating to a regular person in the star wars universe i think reva is one of the characters i'm and one of the things i'm reserving my final judgment on until episode six the 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 six episodes are out but then that brings you to my bigger concern is that they only have two episodes left and in my opinion the last episode was kind of a waste of time and like Spider, you said that it was it was the weakest of the of the four, and I'd agree. Like as 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 much as I don't like what they're doing and is plot wise for what episode three was, episode three was the most entertaining because it was see Vader fight Kenobi. Like obviously that's fun to watch objectively, but when you look at the context of things, I, I then I have my disagreements, and as does Grant. But episode four was a a a, a boring prison break that didn't really do much and it's like you could have spent that time telling us more story of reva you could have done flashbacks to the prequels like i'm expecting or i did expect to have some kind of flashback with hayden christensen why are you casting hayden christensen if you're not going to actually use him as anakin if you're just going to have some guy in suit be vader then why would you pay the money to have hayden come back because the fans love it or because you want to make him have a bunch of makeup on for when he's in the back to tank come on that's it that's dumb they're going to rush into like a bunch of background information there's there's going to be something that shows that she knew Anakin was Anakin and she knows who that he was Vader because of what happened at the temple. And it's going to be a whole flashback scene. And what we're going to see Obi-Wan, it's going to be maybe Ahsoka is going to show up. I don't know. To have all of that happen and to wrap up the story that they're telling right now, you know, present day with Leia and and, and Obi-Wan, it seems so much. It seems so bloated. And then they did, then if we find out that they just greenlit season two, it's like, Okay, then what was the plan originally? Because was the plan originally to have six episodes of just one specific limited story about Obi-Wan? Or was it always to test the waters? And then perhaps if the fans love it, then we'll have another season because we have 10 more years to play with and you and McGregor might sign a contract. And it's like, if that's your, if that's Disney's purpose and focus, that's what pisses me off more than the actual content. That, that angle of Star Wars is what makes me not feel like it's special anymore. Because now it's like, okay, you're just doing it to do it. And that's frustrating. So I, I hope that their characters get tied up, but I don't think two episodes is going to be enough. I think it's going to be rushed. Are you, I know, I know you've loved it, but are you satisfied? If, if they don't do certain things and they miss a couple beats in the next two episodes, I'm assuming you're probably going to be a little bit disappointed or let down. Well, yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's things like you said, the flashback, I, they have to do something. They've set everything up. I still think it's going to happen. But other than that, like I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the story so far. I know you guys haven't, and that's fine. You don't have to enjoy everything Star Wars. I do, but you don't have to. I've enjoyed it so far, and I'm really looking forward, even, even with the 
the weakness of the last episode, I'm looking forward to seeing how they wrap this up. Because, yeah, it's only two more episodes, but the episodes are going to be somewhere between 45 minutes and an hour. So we basically have a, almost the length of a full movie left to do stuff. That's still a good chunk of time. I'm dreading, dreading every minute of it. <laughs> no one's forcing you to watch it, Grant. You don't have to watch it. <laughs> I'm, you're right. I'm forcing myself to watch it. You're right. You're very, that's the rightest thing you've said tonight. <laughs> I'm doing this to myself. I know it. And I hate myself for it. Reva's my big thing. And I guess if we're going to reserve judgment till the end, I'll come back to you in two episodes and I'll say a big, what do you think now, guys? Because then we can get into it. I think her and she's probably the weakest aspect of the show. I think the writing and the characterization is incredibly weak and the plotting is really convoluted and... Uh, it's just it's just like a blur of bad decisions and like very poor direction too. like the action scenes don't have weight to them. I guess that's my last big point I want to make is that when I'm watching things happen on screen, it's like, yeah, a lot of it's practical. I like that aspect of it. We're not all in front of blue screens like we were in the prequels. But at least the action scenes, for the most part in the prequels, have like... I feel like I'm disproving myself as I'm saying this. Because like some of them really don't have weight. But some of them are really do. And you had really great choreography in some of these scenes. But like in this show, like it, it, you had like the John Wick scene in episode 2 where like all these bounty hunters are like hunting Obi-Wan and Leia. And like every time Leia runs away from someone, it's like how is anybody not easily catching this little bitch right now like <laughs> she's running like like two miles an hour and you have like a crowd of people that could easily get her and it's just like it makes no sense with how it's shot and how it's blocked on the screen there's literally a point where she runs under a branch and a dude like 10 meters away just runs straight into like a chest high branch and like falls back comically like a Muppet. And it's like, how did you not see that? Were you so focused on this little girl that you didn't see this giant branch you just ran into? <laughs> to be fair, that's something if I, if I was in a chase scene, I would 100% do that because I'm a terrible person and I'm uncoordinated. So maybe he's just not, he's the Dan Sponder of Bounty Hunters and legitimately didn't see the branch. <laughs> uh no that scene was a little goofy <laughs> and i think i think there's a difference here between grant grant you come from a very critical eye of a movie guy and dan you just love star wars because you love star wars and that's great and i'm kind of i, I feel like i'm kind of in the middle where it's like i i I understand where like that specific scene, while it's silly and makes me go, God, come on, that doesn't ruin the plot for me. But when we have those scenes happen every other scene, like when, when we have what I feel is a, a more of a fan service just to have the character of the lightsaber on screen rather than actually telling a good story first as the priority, I think that's a, that's a symptom of Disney. I'm going to enjoy what I can of it, but I'm going to be critical of it because it's frustrating because I wish I wish it, I, I feel like George Lucas, even at his worst, could make it feel better. Like for whatever reason, I feel like now I have a renewed loyalty to George Lucas because for as bad as the prequels were at their worst, like episodes two romance, Attack of the Close romance dialogue was awful. But I look back on it and I watch it. I'm like, man, you know what? I just I enjoy it because because I'm loyal to the original creator. And now Disney's making it in a way that feels just like a horrible fan fiction. And I it kind of feels like a cheap TV show a little bit, you know, like it doesn't have the grandiose like fanfare at the front. We were just talking about this off screen. We're just like, you want that like John Williams, like fanfare at the front to like get you into it. And then just like there is something about Star Wars that just like even when you're watching it at home on a small screen, it, it gives you that that evokes that big screen adventure story two hours. And this it feels like two hours of content stretched out to six hours. And then that's when all the logical holes start to come in and like they have to fill time with like lame dialogue and stupid
stupid side plots like i well to not to not spiral more because i know we could probably carry this on for a long long time and and we we will come back um we will watch the next two episodes and i think i think it's fair to to say that after the next two episodes we probably will try to schedule a longer conversation to let us be a little bit more verbose and get off the, get off the tracks but I think ultimately I, I'm going to reserve my judgment, but I'm concerned and I hope that they do something that makes me happy. Sponder, no matter what our disagreement might be, I always encourage your perspective because I love that you're a good Star Wars fan. There's a lot of Star Wars fans out there that are toxic and horrible people. And between Ahmed Best and Jake Lloyd and, but like, the, you know, the ones who have been shitting on Reva, who shat on, who shat on uh, Rose Tico, Kelly Marie Tran from episode eight, uh, Hayden Christensen, because you know, people are just asshole. I, I, I'm glad that there are Star Wars fans out there who are just fans of the content and aren't toxic. And I think that encompasses us three with different perspectives and different likes and opinions on the, on the stop. So we'll see where it goes, but you know, fuck Disney. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is a work of passion and it's completely self-funded. We want to continue providing this platform dedicated to free thought and conversation, but we kindly ask that you show your support. Patreon isn't just a platform where you can give a small monthly donation. It also gives you exclusive access to extended, unedited episodes, bonus content, as well as creative input into whatever we cover. Being a supporter on Patreon makes you a member of the Kogan Conversation family and helps us continue this passion project. For just a few bucks a month, you can help us grow. The more we grow, the more perks can come to being a supporter on Patreon. Head over to our website and learn how you can sign up. I'm Alan. And I'm Grant. Thank you for listening to The Kogan Conversation. This podcast is about engaging with different perspectives, values, and ideas. We want to learn how to progress conversations on important topics without assuming the worst in each other. Each month, we will tackle a new topic while enjoying a glass of our favorite spirit and shed light on the beauty of good conversation. Until next time. Cheers.